You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. The film is Das Boat, which came out in 1981 and was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Columbia Pictures presents the Wolfgang Peterson Masterpiece. It's an unforgettable adventure of lost men fighting a lost war on the sea without pity. When the world runs mad and leaders can't be trusted, when all that remains of human decency is faded memories, the hunters become the hunted. It stars Jürgen Proschnow, Herbert Gronmeyer, Klaus Wenemann, Hubertus Bench, Martin Semmelrodge, Bernd Tauber, and Erwin Leder. The genre would be submarine thriller. I watched this film for the very first time just about a year ago, and wow, this was quite the ride. I cannot fathom how Wolfgang Peterson pulled this off 40 years ago. Just an amazing technical achievement. And yes, the protagonists are all Germans, on a U-boat, fighting on the other side of World War II against Winston Churchill and that dastardly British Navy. The whole movie's in German, with English subtitles as well. So, is it pro-Nazi? Well, let's just say that this film finds about a dozen different ways to hedge on that very issue. These characters are all portrayed as simple blue-collar grunts trying to get home. You literally never see an image of a swastika, and the few characters which seem to be obvious Nazi officers... They're portrayed as detached elites, with all the other characters making fun of them. The captain himself, in a dazzling transformative performance by Jürgen Proschnow, is also clearly a skeptic of the Third Reich, who just wants to get his boys home. And then there's the ending. Now, I'm gathering that Peterson and crew had to end this film a certain way to get it released, and it makes perfect sense. In some ways, it's a gut punch, and a satisfying reality check at the same time. And speaking as someone who is definitively not pro-Nazi, just coming out right now saying that, I'm not pro-Nazi, it worked for me. Triumph of the will, this is not. But taking the politics out of it, this is a compelling adventure story of warfare and survival, in the vein of the recent World War I drama 1917, which came out a few years ago. It's set within a claustrophobic setting with good performances, so many distinctive characters too, just not easy to pull that off in this kind of setting and an impressive high level of tension maintained throughout. The cinematography is truly next level. The camera is constantly moving quickly through these confined spaces with these guys, but it never gets jarring nor repetitive. And the sound design is truly impressive. You feel every creak of the hull as the boat sinks, depth charges, the whirring of propellers of every destroyer directly above. 
The crew behind this, Milan Bohr, Trevor Pike, and Mike Lamar, deservedly all received Oscar nods for best sound and sound effects editing that year at the Oscars. But they lost to E.T. That's okay. But this definitely lived up to the hype. This is one of the best naval warfare films ever. And that brings me to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Listening to the score for the first time by composer Klaus Doldinger, I kept thinking, I've heard this before. Doldinger's score has a signature theme which repeats throughout the movie in both fast-paced and a more melancholy format. It's a string-heavy orchestral theme filled with emotion, and it does a nice job of helping to carry us through this roller coaster ride of a movie. This effective needle drop is simply referred to as the theme from Das Boot. But having not seen this film before last year, that's not actually why it sounded familiar to me. Nope, as it turns out, there was actually a popular techno version of the theme released in 1991 by the German DJ collective U96. Apparently, this became a pretty popular single on the dance charts throughout the early 90s. Even in the United States, where I'm fairly confident I might have heard it on the radio, maybe one particular dance club in Washington, D.C., or maybe even playing overhead at a Tower Records. This was exactly the type of stuff that I would eat up at the time. And of course, it's quite catchy. Now, yes, if you listen carefully, you can actually hear the DJ chanting Das Boot throughout. Whether it's the techno remix or the orchestral original, you really can't go wrong with this music. That brings me to the next category, which would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Das Boot was in production for about four years from 1976 through 1980. And at the time of release, it was the most expensive German film ever produced. And as far as I'm concerned, the money is all there on the screen. As this film just immerses you with its large cast, massive sets, and the high caliber of talent behind the camera. Having now watched this film twice, I cannot recall one false moment, nor one false performance. Therefore, I'm of the opinion that no talent was wasted. And that brings me to the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Now, this being the second half of our, quote, submarine week, with the other review this week devoted to Crimson Tide, check out that review, by the way, you have a very stark contrast between two different films of the same subgenre, both great films, mind you, whereas Crimson Tide is more of a high-stakes drama 
between two characters. It's almost a stage play set mostly on a submarine. Das Boat has more of a meat and potatoes approach, focusing on the everyday life on a submarine. There is loads of underwater action, but the film genuinely has our crew literally drifting between warfare and calm. And unlike Crimson Tide, which is a film that subsists on dramatic chunks of dialogue, monologues, and exchanges, it's a bit trickier to pick out the trailer moments from Das Boat. It's just more of a collective storytelling approach with lots of ebb and flow. That said, though, I can recall two standout moments which really demonstrate just how effective the storytelling is here in this movie. While they are gently moving forward topside, the captain calls for an alarm. And once that alarm goes off, wow. We see every man on board, about 40 of them, 42, scrambling for their posts, but not just scrambling, of course. This is a very cramped ship. And we watch as 40-plus crewmen maneuver through several narrow corridors, and the camera follows them through these cramped spaces. We see men running, tumbling, even leaping forward at points. It's all choreographed very well as if to look natural, and it almost feels as if we're looking at the earliest form of parkour. But regardless, everyone gets to their post in record time as the boat submerges when suddenly we find out with a sly smile on the captain's face that it was all just a drill. One hell of a drill for sure, and everyone is on their toes from the get-go. Now, while that scene demonstrates the majesty of humans at work under difficult circumstances, another one later on in the film actually shows off the majesty of the boat from a slightly different perspective. The boat has been pummeled by depth charges by this point and was actually in the process of sinking to harrowing depths. With a lot of grunt work, the crew just plugged up all the leaks and they are finally approaching the surface. These guys are bruised and battered, just like their ship. Everyone is bathed in red light as there is minimal power. No one is sure just how damaged the engine has been or if they can restore to full power. Well, after finally getting to the surface and in the process draining all the excess water, the head engineer tries to start up the engine again as everyone just stands in silence, waiting nervously to see what happens next. And of course, the engine starts up. It's certainly gratifying to see all of our characters celebrating with relief as their boat is back up to power. But even more so, the camera pulls us back through a central corridor as we see rows of pistons just starting to kick in rapidly on both sides. Now we're seeing the majesty of machinery at work. Diesmal erwischen wir uns nicht. Diesmal nicht. 
In both trailer moments, Dust Boat showcases literally both the nuts and bolts of what makes a submarine operate during wartime. And that brings me to the final category, and that would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. A special shout-out has to go to Jurgen Proshnow, playing Captain Lieutenant Heinrich Lehmann, who really is the heart of this movie. Someone who clearly loves what he does, stays focused on mission, and yet never loses sight of the safety of his men. There's a lot of warmth and soulfulness in this guy. You can easily be forgiven for even just pretending that he's not actually a Nazi. I can only believe in, in what I was told, you see, and they say it was that's representative loud, like it was on a, on, a, on a submarine. And uh, the reaction of the, the captain, he, is, he was a professional and uh, he was not, uh, let's say, a Nazi. And uh, yes. lots of the people on, in the submarine, they weren't Nazis. They were soldiers, of course, and they yes. were fighting this, uh, in this war for, the, for Hitler. But they, they weren't Nazis, you see. I think... Uh, 20% of the whole German population, they were members of the Nazi party. Mm. And uh, by this, you know that, not, that uh, perhaps only a small percentage there were Nazis. And it, it, I think it was like that, that perhaps uh, what they, they told us, that one of or two members of the crew, they, were, they came from a Nazi school or so. And so I think it's, 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 mm. uh, it's absolutely right and uh, autobiographical like, like it was. He often carries himself as a relatively laid-back leader. Especially as the film goes on, we see his beard just growing bushier and scragglier. Literally, there's great beard work on this movie, by the way. But through his performance, you can always see the wheels turning just enough so that you buy just how great of a tactician this guy really is. It's really one of the great portrayals of a strong, compassionate military leader that you can't help but root for, yet feels realistic within a grittier war setting. Right up there alongside Willem Dafoe's Sergeant Elias from Platoon, Russell Crowe's Captain Aubrey and Master and Commander, and Captain Jean-Luc Picard, of course. But at the end of the day, this is Wolfgang Peterson's masterwork, as he not only directed it, but wrote the screenplay. Not only is the film a technical marvel, but he never loses sight of the characters. This especially shows with the extremely, as I said earlier, tricky ending of this movie, which really threads a very difficult needle of feeling authentic and yet still compassionate towards most of our protagonists, despite them being Nazis. Before this film was released, Peterson had already been building a solid reputation for himself doing German films and TV for more than a decade. But after this film took the world by storm, he gradually became an international phenomenon, focusing on increasingly bigger genre films over the next 20-plus years. Truly an impressive, varied filmography of mostly strong films, including Enemy Mine, Outbreak, Air Force One, the Perfect Storm, Troy, The NeverEnding Story, and one of my personal favorites, likely future episode In the Line of Fire. He really became one of the modern masters at crafting suspense and spectacle, and he was never afraid of taking the camera in some tricky places. That's just on full display here as he takes us seemingly through every crevice and corner of this U-boat. With Das Boat, he gave us one of the great war films, and he has more than earned the MVP discussing our guilt in the war and everything that it is very important to do that but on the other hand i think more and more we have to to think about what what happened in the reality there yes, a little to find bit, out a little bit of to, truth yeah that. and to see in our film like you know it's not it's not a typical war movie it's a film about human beings in the war about about very young people i think it's a film about kids going out on a patrol and they come back as old men and what's what what does that mean what's in between that what what 
what what is the reality inside a submarine? My rating for Das Boot would be five stars out of five. Yes, it's in a foreign language, and yes, it's more than three hours long, but make no mistake, Das Boot is one of the most intense and exciting war adventure stories you're ever likely to see. Just a kick-ass time. Watch it on the largest screen possible with the best sound if you can. And if you're looking to find out where you could see Das Boot, it's available to rent or buy on all streaming platforms. And that ends another deep dive review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.